I mean, what, what, it sounds good because there's no music playing and I know what you're about to start playing and I, I feel bad about this. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I learned this last week, Matt? What did you learn? That I definitely don't need to have this record. I was like, Oh, you know what? Maybe I should get it. It's a good record. You know, like maybe, maybe someday, um, I can play it for, for Walter or Dylan and say, Hey, look, Smashing Pumpkins were good. They were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you, you shouldn't might, lie to I children. That's the lesson that we have learned is that you should not lie to children. <laughs> I might still tell them that. I just don't need to own this record. All what? right, hold on. Stop. Hi, yep. I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm Jason. We've been friends since high school. I've played in a lot of bands together. Music has always been a part of our friendship. So we started this podcast to talk about records that are meaningful. Not good records, not top 10 records, not the best record of 1982. It's just the ones that we care about. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we're going to talk about great albums. Sometimes, like today, we're going to talk about really shitty albums. Listen, listen. Uh, it's just not what? All of these mean something, but uh, you're listening okay. to We Listen to Records. We listen to Records. All right. Okay, I need some quiet, please. This is Billy Corgan. Butch Vig loves vocals. So when I was sitting in Smart Studios around 1990 and I was cranking the guitar, he was looking at me like, yeah, every guitar player wants to crank the guitar. And I'm saying, no, you don't understand. The guitars need to sit here for a reason. I wasn't tuning up the guitars because I'm a guitar player. I was telling them this is the best way. Then I, of course, put what we call pumpkinizer around my vocals and then buried my vocal like Exile on Main Street. He was looking at me like, wait a second. He pulled the faders down and said, this is where the guitar should be and this is where the vocals should be. I said, that sounds boring. I put the faders back up. I pulled the voice back up. That's the sound. That's the sound. So I was saying that, and he was looking at me going, wait, you're the songwriter, you're the singer, you're the guitar player. Who am I talking to? I would try to say to him, this is the producer talking. It's hard to have credibility in that moment because they ultimately assume that you're like every other musician who wants to hear their part their way. That's Billy Corgan in a fucking nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And Butch Vig, by the way. Right. who recorded Nirvana, Nevermind, among other fucking great records, basically has nothing but good things to say about Billy Corgan and was basically like, yeah, you know, we really tried to push each other in the studio. And he had a lot of really strong opinions, and so did I. So we really, like, helped each other try to make a really good record the way they wanted to make it. And I was like, wow, he's really fucking, like... Today on this record, we are talking about the 1990... 91 well, album no. Gish from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it, it was recorded end of 90, beginning of 91. Yeah. Which, you know, another thing, okay, if nothing else, this record makes me think about how I couldn't, and I was thinking about this this morning, I, could, I can't think of a record that has a, uh, like, long, long tail these days where you go, I mean, they thought they didn't think they would sell 30,000 copies of this record, and it ended up going on in the time to sell over 100,000. Right. And, and Caroline Records was like, what the fuck? Like, completely shocked by the success of this album. And it was one of those records that gradually 
people would tell their people. It, it grew well, and grew. I mean, grew this, this history is cool, but let me just ask you a direct question here. Yeah. You're the one who picked this record for this week. Yeah. Why Why did you pick this one? Um, good question. I guess for the era, I, you know, honestly, I don't know what I was thinking from last week. <laughs> I guess we were talking about Unwound, and uh, this sort of made me think about that sound. And and I guess, you know what, I, I guess I had a big question mark in my head, like, is this still good? Because I am on the fence. There's been a few times where I'm, like, about to buy a copy of it. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Is this one of those records that I think is really good still, but it's not? Right. And definitely answered that question this I mean, week. And, I mean, you know. Okay. All zero people who listened to last week's podcast will know that as soon as you mentioned this record, I just I groaned. I let out like a <laughs> uh, just a like a pained scream because did you not have a Gish T-shirt or something? Why am I? Well, that's that's the thing. Like uh, I I had a boss, or it was my wife's boss, um, <laughs> and she hated her job. But one time she said, uh, and I I'll never forget this. She said, "You have to love a place." as much as I love this place to hate a place as much as I hate this place. And I, that's kind of how I feel about this album. Like I went through such a smashing pumpkins period yeah, in like yeah. 92, 93. Sure. sure. That like, like one, I think I attached this album to that period pretty strongly, but also like to listen to it now and realize what fucking God awful taste I had back then and wonder how that has informed my adult life. I mean, that's, it's just like, it's just like seeing pictures of yourself in high school. And in my case, that would be a picture of me wearing a fucking smashing pumpkins t-shirt. You know what? That's true. You're totally right. This album is exactly like that. You're like, well, that is me. And, uh, have you ever, have you ever listened to a record and, and had a smell flashback? Like, I know you can listen uh, to a record and remember, like, some ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend or whatever, but have you ever, like, listened to a record and immediately smelled patchouli? <laughs> That's what Gish does. <laughs> it was, it, was, it no, like, mainlined right into some, like, like sub-cortex of my brain where I was like, oh, it smells like fucking patchouli. Yeah. You know what? Actually, that's very funny because, I mean, just thinking about this record and listening to it a little bit, I mean, listen, there are good moments. There's a lot of that, like huge production down to super quiet moments and yeah. you have to get past those like really annoying vocals um which are annoying now i mean i guess at the time it was sort of like well i'm feeling a lot of emotions yeah. too well it's funny i made it exactly so I, I downloaded this i'm not gonna lie i didn't i didn't pay for it um i listened to it a couple times and i deleted it i feel like that's an acceptable sure. of the internet but um the only way I could get it was I had to download their entire discography. I couldn't find a place to just get Gish. So I ended up downloading everything. And so I was like, oh, maybe maybe I'll revisit this. I have a good friend. You and I have a good mutual friend who loves this band, who's constantly talking about this band. And I was like, maybe I will give them a chance. Maybe I can improve my friendship with, with our friend Rob. Um, I made it exactly two songs in. And I was like, fuck this shit. And like... I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. I, I listened to I Am One, like the rocker, the first song on Gish. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, Billy Corgan's yeah. annoying, but like, yeah. you know, it's it's well produced. It's like a fun rock and roll song. Cool. And I made it about two thirds of the way through Gish. And I was like, 
I know loud, quiet, loud, quiet was a big early nineties thing, but you're fucking abusing the privilege, man. And I got to like the 14th breakdown in Shiva and I was like, I'm done. It's true. I kept, I kept going, wait, am I still listening to something? And then, Oh fuck. Yeah. Right. Okay. Whoops. I turned it up. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's funny. Um, uh, that you bring that up because, uh, again, it's, it's, I have to this. Okay. Here's a huge, here's a huge question. And then I want to go somewhere else. Well, I, uh, I, yeah. I want to talk about Billy Corgan's ego just for a second, but, um, you first. All right. Well, the bigger, here's the big question. This is a way bigger question. <laughs> Does Billy Do you have to be a, uh, egotistical douchebag to come up with something so like single-minded and i mean basically he talks about going into the studio after the fact saying uh as good as darcy and james are it was gonna sound better oh wait wait where's the fucking quote oh here he is here's 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 corgan's quoted about playing everything on gish my attitude was hey it's not my fucking fault you didn't practice like i did and you can't play the songs <laughs> the wow. clock's running we gotta make this work <laughs> Well, so he so hold on he I, wanna, I just want to i want to pick up on that because i wait 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 wait. except the drums and then jimmy chamberlain the drummer about i am one says this was this was something billy had come up with that was impossible to play in a drum kit it was one of those things where somebody writes something on a drum machine with no absolutely no idea of hand and foot proximity and then says hey what do you think about this can you play it <laughs> It's like they hated each other from the fucking get-go. Oh well, and then well, on, in the studio, on, because they were the like, thing I've been thinking, because I, I did eventually listen to this all the way through, and right, you get to the end, and there's that song that Darcy sings, right? Oh, yeah. It's just like tacked on. It's like, here, totally tacked on. Like the album is over, and then yeah. there's this song that doesn't fit, right. totally random, and she's singing, and you're like, yeah. okay, that was some sort of concession. There was some sort of contractual thing where they had to give her a song. And then it ends, and then <laughs> then Billy Corgan tacks on another song where he sings because he's got to get the last fucking word, right? The album is over at the end of Window Pane, and then it just keeps going because everybody's like got some weird dick measuring contest going on. Yeah, I think you're totally right. I felt the same way listening to it. I was like, oh look, here's a, a Darcy song. Okay, that's cool because it's totally different than the rest of the record. And it's, I mean, that's, that's great. I know we we like. I think Sonic Youth is going to be the constant benchmark in this podcast, but not to compare them to Sonic Youth too much, but like no. how like Thurston, Kim, and Lee all get like great prominent spots on the record and get great like chances to shine. And well, they almost go before the fact. They go, "All right, you have a few songs. I have a few songs. You have a few songs." Like, yeah. Just it feels automatically like it's the three of us doing stuff together, yeah. but it's also your your headlining or your your whatever heading this you know your captain of this song. right. Well, and it's like to p- to pick a great one, cool thing, right? A Kim Gordon song, she's up front, but it's also yeah. an amazing Lee Ronaldo song where he's just killing it underneath a like great dissonant cool guitar shit. It's like awesome. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they're working together. I feel like when you get to Daydream, it's like, okay, Darcy, you get to sing, but I'm going to do the least amount of effort on the guitars. Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's just like a, it's just like, fuck you. It's, it's like a, it's, it's literally a like throwaway track, like a B side, whatever. Yeah. Not even, it's like a C side. It was like, no, it was you know, like okay. a single. 
well, but but then you know I do hear, and I was surprised about this. That they actually did have to have some kind of like uh, you know string accompaniment. Sure. Yeah, just to round it out. Put some time into it, but the but the point is, you're right. Then then Billy comes back with his little like, eh, whatever. I don't know. It's okay. Okay, so back to this question. Though. Okay, because I do feel like. Uh, what the fuck was I? Okay. Like, like, okay. Like a Trent Reznor, for mm-hmm. example, or Bill, like it's almost impossible. Like, is it better to have this guy who created this stuff for better or worse? Right. That influenced a lot of people, changed a lot of things, whatever. But ultimately, like you can't be this single minded and let's 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 face it innovative whatever you want to call it and not be a dickhead like is that possible or because you know what I mean? okay and that's what i worry about in like not just music but across the board when it comes to I mean, look at the president right <laughs> i mean let's not even fucking well, go there but honestly like in anything you want to do if you're not a dickhead fucking egomaniac then are you gonna even do anything interesting well okay that's i mean that is an interesting question and so let's let's begin with the assumption that this is a good album and smashing pumpkins is a good band which i we can dispute that in a few minutes but um let's 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 take it for now as as read that like billy corgan is some sort of genius fine it's influential okay but here's where i'm going I, i i do think it is possible to be visionary, to make cool stuff, and not be like an egomaniacal dickhead. I think, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think the nature of the process, where you have so many people and so many egos and so much, like infrastructure in the way, I, I think that even the nicest person is going to come off as a dickhead when you try yeah. when you try to get your vision realized in the face of 10 15 20 other people and millions of dollars and production schedules and all that stuff right like i think that anybody who who fights for their vision is going to end up looking like a dickhead i don't think billy corgan <laughs> thinks he's a dickhead i think he thinks he's fighting for something oh, no. visionary yeah right? oh he does so so yeah. so then what it comes down to is like like was he like a dick like i i'm fighting for this particular sound or was he a dick like devaluing diminishing treating people like shit like yeah and, and if he's doing that then that's not okay yeah. right like i think i think a person who walks into the room and says i want to make the best movie or the best album and i'm going to fight for my vision i i'm totally okay with that person i think someone who walks yeah. in and goes everyone is stupid and incompetent and i'm the only one who's capable like billy corgan right. said right. then yeah fuck that guy <laughs> Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, okay. There you go. Right? There's, there's tons of great, brilliant filmmakers who manage to accomplish their films without being assholes. I would hope. Well, I don't know because I don't know them. I wasn't on set. Honestly, honestly, right. Matt, I don't know. I'm starting to think that that's very, very, very rare. That those two things are very married together in psychology. Sure. Well, well but again, I, 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 I don't necessarily agree. Like, like, yeah, no, I don't want to agree to, with that. I don't. Well, okay, just to pick, just to pick a person, but okay. I am left with the impression, and I might be wrong, that right. Tom Hanks gets what he wants 
by building coalitions and convincing people of you know i mean it's tom hanks so who knows but he's a, he's he, like the reputation is that he's a nice dude who doesn't need to scream at people and throw coffee at them to get what he wants right i i will not go along with this example i'm talking about somebody who's innovative okay in the, oh, somebody who's innovative like, like david lynch sure. like tim burton like I mean, we're talking about people that like Guillermo del Toro, somebody that really is like specific and su- out of nowhere, super interesting, groundbreaking, sure. whatever. That's what I'm okay. talking about. Can that guy not be completely self, you know, obsessed, dickhead? Again, I th- I think it's possible. I just I think in the world in the media economy that we live in. Those people don't rise to the top because there's some fucking narcissist Donald Trump type who's willing to stab him in the face. So wait, so so the the egotistical maniacs are taking all of the spotlight. That doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't good people. We just don't hear about them. Or yeah, or 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 they or they or they they learn the wrong lessons. I don't know. I I I don't live in that industry enough to really know i i think i'm relating it back to music too well i mean i I, let's come back right down to this album like whether or not it's possible billy corgan didn't do it you know what i mean like billy corgan clearly was an asshole (laughs) no i mean he really is and that's and he's a case of like like well uh can i watch woody allen movies Knowing that he married his fucking uh, stepdaughter. Can I really listen to this record knowing what an asshole Billy Corgan is? My answer is no. It's funny because back to my example of the Dream Darcy song, like like his jerkishness is on display in the album, if you know what you're listening to. Like like it's 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 so present in the music. Like you you don't need to read articles about it. You just listen to this album. Tell me where, because I was I was honestly listening to it with that in mind, and I, and I wasn't really hearing it because because I do go back to that time of my life when I'm like, oh, this is a high school record. This is like everything is new. Here's this weird like it's kind of psychedelic. It's kind of like heavy rock. It's sort of grunge. It's also like a little bit. You know, these guys are wearing like frilly shirts and practically tie dye. Fuck is going on here? Like it's kind of an interesting mix. Right. It was definitely like like a a counterpoint to by '91 where grunge was at, which was kind of like early Nirvana, West, you know, Seattle thing. And then like, well, um, sorry, go ahead. No, really quick. Two months after uh, Butch Vig recorded this with the Gish, he recorded Nevermind. Huge difference. Two months later. Well, let me let me pivot because that I think part of the reason why you picked this is it is for just personally for you and I like an album that that we connect to. And I want to tell a little little story. Um, I want to tell <laughs> yeah, a little story. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to say any names, but Jason and I had a friend, um, and uh, uh, we we'd met like summer camp kind of thing. And then we decided we were going to take a road trip from like farm country, upstate New York, where we lived to New York city where our friend lived and our, you know, our friend was with us. He was upstate and we were going to make this road trip in Jason in your, what was it? A Ford? What was it? 
It was Fiesta. a Ford Fiesta. That's right. Just beat up old Ford Fiesta. And the tape player was broken, so we only had this one shitty tape. Anyway, we get to New York. Let's just say it was chaos. Our friend was not as worldwise as he claimed to be. <laughs> was that a fair assessment? I mean, yeah. yes. Nobody was. It's so fucking weird. To th- it's just because, like, oh, you live on Long Island. We think you know what you're talking about. I know. We were all fucking 17. Right. You know, I don't care where. Uh, honestly, well, okay, listen. Maybe there's some kids in, like, uh, fucking Algeria or or in the streets of uh, uh, some war-torn just fucking mess that probably... But you know what? They don't know either. It's just, you're just young. Yeah. You're fucking young. You don't know. Well, we, and we were like young, dumb hicks from the country. So anyway, we, we get to New York. It's a week of just chaos and really, like, as an adult now, I look back and I'm like, we're lucky we survived that trip. Like, just bad decisions all around. Car accidents, <laughs> like, just the, the yeah. drugs. Like, it was just, it was just dumb. Um, okay. uh, so, Near the end of this thing, I think we were getting ready to leave. Um, like this, this person, this who who sort of initiated the trip, he and I got into this huge fight, like almost a fist fight. I don't remember this. Was I? There? It was the day that we like painted your car at yeah. out at his house on Long Island, and it was like right yeah. before we were supposed to leave, and. I don't I don't even remember the details. I just remember that like we were in the basement of his house and he said something and it was just like after a long, you know, week and a half of sleeping on the street and God knows what else we were doing. And we just got into this fight. And and so we came out and we, we, we the three of us were supposed to drive eight hours back up to upstate New York together. Um and like we'd almost like come to blows and it was just like really shitty. And then I was just sitting in the back of your car just like fucking let's get this over with and he yeah. comes up and his way of apologizing this is why i'm telling the story his way of apologizing was to give me a flannel shirt and a cassette copy of gish <laughs> okay <laughs> wow i had yeah. no idea it's so weird i don't remember this yeah now. i mean that's i mean i'm not saying that's why i have a connection to this record but like like this know, fucking like, ponytailed piece of shit kid is like patchouli stank. And like we painted uh, we, oh, the whole thing. So just in the middle of that arrives like, I mean, I'd heard it before, obviously, but arrives this like cassette tape copy of, of Gish. And I was just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> I definitely did not actually own this until I was in college and working at the like, radio station at at, uh, at school and I don't know if I bought it or just acquired it or some no I definitely had a copy of it. I'm sure I bought it because I was like oh yeah this is and you know what and maybe I came to it through Siamese Dream now that sure. I think about it because there was a time when it was like whoa what the fuck is this record and then and then you're like oh look here they have one more before this okay I mean you know this is like obviously before you could look anything up on the magic box so I was like, oh, what's this record that they check, recorded? Check. In- Can you hear me when I say this? Yeah. Oh, weird, because I hit the mute button. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I, uh, like, to the song Today, which isn't off of this album, yeah. is another one that, like, right, I had right. been one of those just weird high school kid moments with that song. 
and yeah. I think that was like um I don't know like the connection to uh Smashing Pumpkins was kind of sealed for a year or two based on those the, but like in hindsight I don't what was I listening to like I can't, I I didn't recognize half of these songs like I must have just listened to the first side of the tape a bunch and then never flipped it over I don't know I get because wow. like I am one hit me like I, like a like like a drug like it just went straight into my brain I was like like all these synapses were firing that like hadn't fired since the early 90s and by the time I got to the middle of the yeah, album right. I was like I don't recognize this yeah I mean maybe you know it's funny when you have things the format thing of on cassette versus CD because I mean if I put this in to listen to it I'm listening to yeah. the whole thing because I had it on, on CD and like um. Yeah, it just it just always felt like a weird, um, and maybe this is where it sort of worked as like a bridge between sort of like classic kind of hippie stuff, like I don't know, like I just always think of like Pink Floyd or shit like that, and then uh, yeah. grunge, you know, and like and it's funny because uh, I think um, I was reading, oh yeah. Which Vig talks about him, be, uh, Billy Corgan, being a big fan of Queen and ELO and that that sound and that he was sort of that's what he was sort of looking for on this record without like actually coming out and saying it. And I thought, oh, that makes even more sense to me then, you know, like because I sort of always felt like it was that um, connection. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, uh, well, here, let, why don't you put on a little music? We'll just play it out, you know. 30 seconds or something like that. How about, how about Tris? No, wait, which, which, which song? Do you I want, want, well, yeah, sure. Tristessa. <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Shut up. They, they all fucking suck equally. Just pick one. <laughs> Just play some, on. play some music and I will, I'll let you know when we can, we can come out of it. Probably won't be too long. Pumpkins, Tristessa. 
dude. So I was just thinking while we were listening to that, um, yeah. like we've talked about our relationship to this, but like, what is the culture, uh, cultural, I'm, I'm making air quotes here, cultural significance of this album? Because, you know, you were saying it was recorded before Nevermind and Nevermind obviously was such yeah. a big deal. And I don't th- think in our little farm country area that we got what was happening in culture sort of in chronological order. I think for me, things just kind of arrived randomly. So like what, you know, what was, what is this album's place in that weird moment where you've got the Pixies kind of imploding, you've got Nirvana and Pearl Jam arriving. Like I know Gish was important, but how, why? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm thinking of it. You know, again, I, I have to go back to the, the way that it's like a, a bridge sort of between that stuff of like kind of like the big produced sort of classic rock to this the very um, uh, dynamic you know shitty grunge yeah you know what I mean that's the way I see it I mean th- there was definitely um, right around this period 1990 1991 like the the record companies were trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between people's comfort with like hair metal and and like what was going yeah. on with grunge so like you know Nirvana Pearl Jam like they're kind of their own thing but you you were seeing all these other like long-haired kind of hair metally style bands who are they just threw a flannel shirt on over the spandex um and like mm-hmm. I know Smashing Pumpkins wasn't one of those. Like to me, Smashing Pumpkins is sort of like you had West Coast, right? You had um, Jane's Addiction, you had Pearl Jam, Sonic Youth, Green River, that kind of stuff, Soundgarden, and then you had East Coast, which was like Sonic Youth, but it was also like Helmet, it was Fugazi, right? There, there was that kind of stuff going on, and like Smashing yeah. Pumpkins is Chicago, and so I don't, you know, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that is very weird. It's very weird that it was Chicago and this this album was recorded like just some you know, some random place. In yeah, Wisconsin. and well, in Chicago in this era is Nine Inch Nails, Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. early. Well, you know, before Shellac, whatever Steve Albini was doing, Big Black and all that stuff. Like you know, like Slint? Slint? Slint is like no, wasn't Slint like Kentucky or something? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, sorry. But yeah, Slint is going on like totally out of nowhere, like. Oh, yeah. Tortoise, that weird like like um instrumentally jazz right. indie. But I guess I guess sort of what I'm Enough. saying in terms of the stuff that got mainstreamed. You had yeah. you had your sort of New York dissonant noise hardcore thing going on. You had your like mm-hmm. Fugazi, like keeping punk alive thing going on. And then you had your West Coast. Mm-hmm. I mean it was kind of all over the place, but basically like you know. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, that kind of stuff. And then, well, you, I, and then this, yeah. like coming out of Chicago, and it's sort of like, in a weird way, it seems like they were trying to split the difference and do a little of both. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this is, you know what this is to me? This is a guy saying like, I'm super influenced by that late 70s, I guess, kind of maybe heavier right. rock. I mean, it's no coincidence stuff. that two albums oh, later they'll do a song I, called 1979, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I want to um, play something 
right. more contemporary. Well, it's, I mean, that's and that always. Or, I mean, every twenty years, like we 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 eat our own past. Like every every time a high schooler hits forty, they want to hear music that sounds like they were in high school. So it's like no surprise that we kind of have these cultural, you know, sort of cultural cannibalism about every fifteen to twenty years. Um, I guess also at this point, Gish also for me functions as like. Uh, one of those records that's like, well, look, look, sort of at what a band can mm-hmm. go through, you know, like a lot like Radiohead. Like when you think, oh, is it the Benz that had I'm a right. creep, right? A shitty beginning for yeah. a band. Well, I mean, speaking of just just the band and the dynamics, I don't, I don't, I didn't do any research on this, so anybody listening, when I get things wrong, please forgive me. But if I recall. I mean, didn't, you know, the drummer had like a huge drug problem and like Darcy quit the band a bunch of times and like had issues and like everybody hated Billy, which we know, but like, like the whole, the whole path of the band once they were successful is really kind of awful. Like that's kind of just in general terms, what I sort of remember about Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, I guess I feel in the that like they exist in the uh, like like okay this is a pretty interesting beginning mm-hmm. to a band. Siamese Dream sort of took it to this next level. Aside from like how, who these people really were, which I didn't really pay attention till right. much later. And I just heard all, all the ways that he was a real dickhead. Um, you know, I guess it's that sort of single minded vision of you know just layering this shit to like the the infinite degree these guitars and you know a lot like listen you could say there's a lot related to um uh loveless and, and my bloody valentine and, and this and Siamese dream so so maybe there's maybe this is a connection between a little bit shoegaze and grunge or you know after the fact of course because I don't think at the time it was trying yeah. to be that I, connection. But I think if you're, if you're trying to sell this record to the mm-hmm. kids of today, I think you could say, look, this is that this sort of exists between that stuff. And, and imagine smashing pumpkins. If you know, they just sort of like followed this. Um, well, it's, it's, if I'm feeling generous, like I, I think that <laughs> if I'm feeling generous, I think that the, uh, the music of this era was really honestly, genuinely trying to figure out how to use the tools of metal and hair metal and thrash metal and punk and also yeah. like the melodies of like seventies rock and like influences that were coming from like hip hop and whatever. I really do think they were trying to respond to that stuff and incorporate it into what they were doing. Like, I mean, I think that was the yeah. real challenge of the era. Like when you hear it in the underground, like slint and unwound and all that stuff, or you hear it in the mainstream, like smashing pumpkins, I really do think they were trying to say like the era of Motley Crue is over. And what do we do? That's new and interesting. Yeah. And you know, it's orchestral, it's loud, it's layered, it's complex, it's whatever. Like, like when I'm, when I'm, when I'm feeling generous, I, I understand that challenge. Um, Smashing Pumpkins, just for me, when I look back on it 20-something years later, it's just, I just feel gross, man. Like, <laughs> fucking disgusting out. Like, I feel, I, I felt like I needed to take a shower after I listened to this thing. This is a disgusting album. 
I hear you. I hear you. I mean, and it, honestly, it's play, hard to play, play just the beginning of I am one. Like, let, let's just fucking bathe in the shittiness for a second. See that? That's not shitty. No, that's nice. I mean, that's a nice little intro, but keep going. Keep it going. Okay. We're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. Yeah. But this is, you know, okay, a little, little long, a little repetitive. Welcome to the 90s. But hold on. It's going to get worse. Welcome to the 90s. Welcome to the 90s, sir. Here's your flannel shirt. <laughs> About to be terrible. Well, just wait. <laughs> there it is. Oh, I just went to shit right there. Oh, come on. I think I think that. On, wait, though. In 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 Gish's defense, I think that was part of the appeal of this. Is it was just fucking weird and and the vocals were like, what the fuck? Like, not normal. Yeah. You know, kind of like. Well, yeah. Yeah. Put on, put on Shiva because, like, of all the songs in this album, this was the one that I really like. Oh, it's a yeah. good song. It's just about a minute and a half too long. Yeah. 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 That's just like a weird, you know, rhythm, rhythmic structure, yeah. and and I even don't mind Billy Corgan in this way. song, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. More talking than singing. He's not doing that like screamy, shouty thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, there's some nice guitar parts in here. They like they kind of come, they build on each other, like a little start-stop thing. Like I'm fine with it until we get to like the 47th breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's very you know guitar cock rock. No, that's true also but it does have the nice like layering weird like just sludge sound too yeah. which is cool but then it gets like those solos are just like oh <laughs> fuck off no it, well again it's I like mean, they're, like they're, this is still in the hair metal era hair metal was still dominating right now so like yeah like like you're competing against poison you know you got to get on the radio somehow crew absolutely i mean i i remember thinking it was funny that metallica cut off their long hair during this period to compete with grunge do you remember that oh no i didn't really follow honestly i did not ever roast metallica except like when i got a electric guitar for christmas someone was like we formed our first band and we, it was you, me, and that, that kid, Josh, and we brought in this other dude to play guitar for us, and all he did was play Metallica riffs, and we were like, sorry, you gotta go. <laughs> That's, I, uh, I remember, like, you know, someone like, oh, you have to listen to Justice for All, and I, I remember listening to it being like, I, this yeah. is just not my scene. I did, that album came and out right try, when my parents were I getting did. divorced. It was like the perfect time. <laughs> uh, I listened to that shit. Yeah. I was like, I guess... I guess I can play along with this. I guess that's the point I'm supposed to like. No, it's just, you know. it's just like angry music for dumb people. You but know, I would prefer 
Collins or well, something. We'll do, we'll, we'll do, do um, if we're going to do a Metallica episode, we'll do, I think we should do Master of Puppets at some point, but that's for another day. That's the one I'm thinking. I don't know. It's for, that's, no, Justice for All is a terrible one. Master of Puppets is actually pretty good. Um, I don't know. I never, I never yeah. listen to Metallica. Well, you know, that's fine. I, there's a case of another band like have they completely ruined sure. their back catalog already well, yeah Probably. i mean metallica is one of those bands that like nobody out there that whose opinion matters is judging you for not liking them you're not going to walk into like a, a conference right. room and they're, they're going to be like oh i'm sorry sir you know like it's not going to happen yeah no. um you know like listening to metallica is like the middle age equivalent of having like a harvey harley davidson jacket you know it's just like it just screams old and yeah. and and you know it's like or it's like led zeppelin or pink floyd it's like yeah okay sure everybody listened to them but that's it it doesn't mean that it was like good or or worthwhile right. so um back to back back to gear. maybe it is listen i'm sure somebody could make a case for early metallica that they were fucking awesome groundbreaking doing your shit i i, I, I well and like I, I don't think i missed that part <laughs> metallica was groundbreaking no no, 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 I don't listen. I don't know. I don't know. There's, I, Maybe some I will of the early say, stuff, I, since we're, we're not, this is not the Metallica podcast, but I will say there is one track on their first <laughs> album that that is has so much potential, and it's the it's the bass solo thing, which is amazing. And then that dude died, and then Metallica <laughs> never did anything good ever. You know, I mean, I I do listen to Metallica from time to time. I do not listen to Smashing Pumpkins yeah. from time to time. I will I will never like. Hop on a Smashing Pumpkins album. No, not now for sure. I I was still questioning this yeah. record because because there is so much personal and listen, sure. that's what this is for about, sure. right? Is like so before the, like, let me ask you like a stupid question before this podcast before you decided to call out this record for episode number two. When was the last time you listened to Gish? Oh man. I don't know. I probably did this same thing five years ago. You were just like, ago. oh, yeah. Going on. Was Gish good? Because, like, maybe, you know what? Maybe I was getting back into Sonic Youth or, you know, looking at Bleach again and going, oh, yeah, Gish. Was that like, was that good record? I'm not really sure. All right. I think, I think we have, like I said, I, you know, I'm looking at the, the time here. I think we have time for like a sample of one more song that we can probably talk over and then uh we'll do the disclaimer and, and figure out what we're going to talk about on the next episode all right i mean we've i don't yeah look, I, I, uh, I, unless uh, unless our audience wants to hear me just rant endlessly about how much i fucking hate this album which i've already done for 42 well, minutes like you know um seriously people if you're listening to this well, okay. and you never heard gish put it on once like I don't know. Smoke a shitload yeah. of weed or something first. Cover yourself in patchouli, and like pretend Bill Clinton is, is like running for president. Pretend George w, George H okay. W Bush I, is I, still I, president, and then just sit around and imagine what it's like if all you have to listen to is Motley Crue and Poison, and this thing comes out. You might possibly possibly think it's good, possibly. But then remember that fucking Nirvana's Nevermind was recorded just two months after this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay uh here are this is my special list of the top five reasons billy corgan is a just horrendously massive all right douchebag. all right i'm gonna count them down for you ready we'll ready. go from five to one 
I'll do number five. And then oh you no, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him out, and then you, then you, you give the, you give the. Sorry. So, so Jason's top five reasons why Billy Corgan is a massive douche. Number five. Yeah. Oh, I see. You're the. Okay, uh, I gotcha. Okay. Number five is. Uh, he's an anti-vaccineer. <laughs> Fuck, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number four. I do not trust those who make vac- vaccines or the apparatus behind it to push it on us through fear. This is a personal decision based on research, intuition, come blah, 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 Okay, number four, reason yeah. why. Billy Sorgan is a douche. Okay. Uh, oh, where is it? Okay. He said, recording a door, that Rock was dead. And that, uh, here's his quote, ready? What surprises me is that 15 years later, it hasn't really come back. I would have thought by now there would have been a new Nirvana or a new Radiohead. You and me should be arguing about the five greatest records of the last few years. The fact that we can't just go, boom, it's that one, says something's changed. Why are all these great artists suddenly incapable of finding that great moment again? That's weird, right? Sounds like sounds like uh, like Ringo Starr longing for the heyday of the Beatles. How come nobody's yeah. got a fake British so accent and is doing goofy movies going. in a yellow submarine anymore? Like fuck you. It's an old man going. Nobody will be Bob Dylan. Shut up. Shut right. the fuck up. Yeah, no, it, that doesn't mean anything. Idiot. And reason why J- Billy Jimmy Corgan is a is a douchebag. Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Corgan is a comic book. So, what's the number three reason? Wait, wait, wait. Do you have that echo? Do you effect? want the echo effect? I can. Can you say? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me find Do it. Do like. Here. Okay. No. Three. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, cool. Number three is because. Um. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, here it is. Okay. Here's, a, here's this quote. Number three reason why he's a douchebag is because he pretty much hated the entire band. And this is his quote. It was not fun being in a band with two drug, a- drug addicts and one major pain in the ass, he says. Was the major pain in the ass himself? To... No, it says, he says referring respectively to... Well, Darcy, uh, of course. Drummer. Oh, yeah, right. Darcy, drummer, drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, and Eha. Oh, yeah. Dude, like, wow. and now, okay, so an episode we are going to do really fucking soon is Slint Spiderland. Fucking Eha. Yeah. We, I mean, I, we haven't even addressed the fact that he is in this band. Yeah, right. Like, That's weird. I mean, somebody who was in one of the most influential bands of all time, one of the most amazing bands of all time, Produced one of the most influential records of all time, and then joined this fucking shit show. Seriously, okay. I mean, we're gonna. Okay, I, I don't really want to ruin it. We're we're gonna do Spiderland. We're gonna we're gonna rewatch Breadcrumb Trail, which I watched at your house, which was awesome. Um, we're gonna fucking go deep into the breeders, all that crazy shit. That's another episode. But just like as a teaser for all of our listeners. Fucking James Eha is in the Smashing Pumpkins. That is disgusting. Number two. Oh no! Just go to number one. I don't really. I don't have any more. Just go to number right. one. Number, this is number, number one. two okay, is already. Wait. All right. No, here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. Just go and the number one, one reason is. He was on Infowars uh, talking about Bernie Sanders. And this is what he said. 
to be talking in America in 2016 about Mao's a good idea and a socialist running for president, that's okay. It's just crazy to me. You try, you try to tell someone here who might, who you might argue is taking advantage of our social welfare system or is gaming the system and say, look, you're telling me America sucks and you're spitting on the flag. Try living in one of those third world countries and see how far that gets you. So basically he's in the number one reason why he's a super douche is Bernie is a communist and love it or leave it. Motherfucker. Billy Corgan is a douche. Number one, douchebag. <laughs> and listen, I mean, again, I don't want to think about all that stuff when I'm listening to this, but frankly, it's impossible to ignore. The guy says stupid shit about everything. You name it. He owns some wrestling league now. He's fucking, he's like Vince McMahon. It makes no fucking sense, this guy's an idiot. Not in a fun way, like, oh, look at me. No, you're, you're pompous. Now is the time to show where we do the disclaimer. And I like to say, we're here because we love the music. Yeah, we don't have the rights to this music. Uh, we're just playing it because we want to talk about it. So um, if you want us to take it down, please please just ask. Um, we, you know, we're, we're not trying to make any money off of, off of your music. And, uh, you know, please don't sue us. Does that sound earnest yeah. enough for you? Maybe I shouldn't have called Billy Corgan a douchebag before the disclaimer. Um, you know. Okay, Matt. So we're, all right, I'm okay, just gonna make it, make it stop. Like, I, save my sanity and end this shit, please. Okay. Well, next right, time I come okay. to New York, we're going to film Matt. ourselves throwing that album off the roof of your apartment building. And, and, and it's going to be amazing. Let's talk about next week and what album we're going to listen to. All right, next episode, we're going to immerse ourselves. So, so I got to pick the, the episode for the the music for the first episode, and then for some reason you chose Gish. I'm not not sure why. Uh, Come on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're we're learning that, that like a... decisions made in the moment can cause great regret. I think is what yeah. we're learning here. Um, and I and I don't think we're going to regret next week's choice because I have chosen Camper Van Beethoven's first album called Telephone Free Landslide Victory. Wow. Okay. Did you know this album? Are you familiar I with this one? Nothing. I know nothing about Camper Van Beethoven except I know that name. Uh, Take the Skinheads Bowling. Sure. I know that song. I can sing it. Uh, I don't know who's okay. in that band. I can't even picture what they look like. I've never heard of that record before. All right. Well, then, uh, that's, that that's is it. a preview of the quality analysis that you're going to get on next week's episode of We Listen to Records. I'm still Matt. That's right. I'm also. And, um, you know, listen to music that you love. And uh, goodbye. Yes. Bye.